ready. We're, you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. At this point, you know, the moment we receive a dollar for all this work, we're pretty much professionals. <laughs> yes, sir. So welcome back to Hoop and Loathing, the podcast about nothing but mainly basketball, brought to you by two friends who are morons. Just kidding. Just one of us. Big pendejos who like to talk nonsense. So what's up, Mikey? How you been? Chilling, bro. Another day. How about you? Just came back from Seattle. Just came back from two weeks in the Northwest. Very nice. Very nice. Glad I'm back. Glad I'm home. Get to sleep on my bed. Miss my dog. Not not so much my cat, but definitely miss my dog. <laughs> so it's Man, fun. He was happy to see you. Oh, my God. But at the, at the end of the day, like, Paolo was here, so it's not like... Not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, it's true. Because at least he knows her. Yeah. All right. So, while I was away, I was watching mad soccer. Because you know I mean, I love me some Man City and some Premier League soccer. But doesn't mean we weren't paying attention to what the fuck was going on. And mm. being that this is a podcast about basketball and nothing, and being that Carmelo Anthony plays such a humongous role in your life. Mellow. Am I wrong? Does he not play a prominent role in your life? Always and forever. Well, I thought that we could dedicate a big chunk of this show on the fact that Carmelo Anthony looks like for the first time in a long time, he's taking basketball seriously. <laughs> Wait, what? What's so funny? I don't think, I don't think it's fair to say he's taking basketball seriously. Uh, I'll say he's taking his, uh, I guess his body more seriously he's on that LeBron work program well one could say that for the position that Carmelo's been playing his whole career he never needed to lose weight in fact the bulkier well, still slim but the bulkier the better would you would you agree well he played the three the majority of his career so now that he transitioned into the four he needed to put on some size to uh bang down low with them big boys well spoiler alert the Blazers are going to maximize all of Melo's talents. And they somehow convinced him to get skinny. So Skinny Melo. So for like the third or fourth summer in a row, we keep getting different iterations of Melo. We had Olymp- Olympic Melo. We had Olympic Melo. We had cheating Melo. Cheating Melo. Yeah, when he cheated uh, on his wife. True, true. You know, we had hoodie Melo. My favorite Melo. Your favorite Melo. And now we have skinny Melo. Welcome yep. to the party. Skinny Mellow. All right. Yeah. Pretty you know. soon I'm going to have my my top favorite, my favorite starting five is just going to be comprised of all different Mellows. Oh, my goodness. You know, you can go to 2K right now and probably play with all the Mellows. Well, you will be as soon as this tournament's done. Yep. Because Mellow is looking spelt. And speaking of Mellow and the Blazers, did you, uh, did you hear what Charles said? If the Blazers get into the playoffs... They're taking out the Lakers in the first round. How's that for a hot take? Well, my brother, I'm not going to respond to you because we are going to get to that. <laughs> All right. Because Jumping the gun here. Because first, I want to I, I want to start I want to start off by saying that yes, like it's all joking and it's fun that I say that Melo's finally taking basketball seriously. We know that's a joke because you know Melo's the greatest Olympian we've ever had in the history of this country. Better than ever. Michael Phelps. Better than uh, the guy that cut off his penis better than all these people. And now it seems that the Blazers have asked Carmelo Anthony to transition to small forward and to lose a bunch of weight, to be more 
I'm not going to say more athletic because he's like 50 years old at this point. You know, he is who he is. But to be better on defense, something that Carmelo Anthony has had zero interest in playing his whole career. And I think this is good for him. Listen, I love Melo, not as much as you. I think a lot of us un- un- overlook his, uh, his accomplishments in his career, but only because we expected so much more of Carmelo Anthony, which in a way is unfair to us, but from us and unfair to him because it's not like he hasn't accomplished a whole shit ton of shit in the NBA. Wow, that was a, that was a mind fuck. Shit ton of shit in the NBA. You know, I think Melo is, we've talked about this before, Melo is for sure first ballot Hall of Famer. For sure, in our minds, one of the 100 greatest, if not in the top 50 greatest basketball players of all time. I find it admirable that at this age, that he's finally taking it upon himself to put himself in a team. He's a team guy now. I don't think we've seen team guy Melo since his early Denver Nuggets days or his early New York Knicks days when he had Amari Stoudemire on the roster. So it's nice that he's taking a team first approach. I'm looking forward to it. The, the three is his natural position. It's what he played the majority of his career up until uh, the trade to OKC where he, he moved over to the four to give that three spot to PG. And, um, you know, he's already at that. He's already passed his prime. He's already passed. He was never particularly athletic. So it, I am curious to see how he will match up against threes that are more athletic, quicker, faster. Um, he has always been known for a quick second jump, and he, he's a big body on the boards when he wants to be. And uh, defensively, whoever questions his, his, his talent defensively, um, I implore you to watch the 2009 Western Conference Finals where he guarded Kobe tenaciously for a big portion of that, of that series. Um, he plays defense when he wants to. The question is, will he want to? And if he sets his mind to it and he, um, and he does put the team first and contributes in, in every way that he can, I think he'll be a big problem. And I also like the move to the three because now with the Blazers getting back, uh, Nurkic and Zach Collins, who are uh, obviously two big men, that's going to that's gonna give him more room to, uh, you know, space the floor and, and, and do what he does offensively playing that three position. So I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see how the Blazers will perform uh, these next eight games and see if they can get into that, into that playoff uh, contention. Funny you should say all this because I believe I've been very clear about the, the Blazers from the, from the jump that prior to the coronavirus happening, pandemic happening and the NBA season coming to a halt, I feel bad for them because honestly, I think they have pieces to compete. They have one of the five best players in the NBA, in my, in my opinion. They have CJ McCollum, one of the best shooters we have in the NBA. Not to mention the fact that, oh my God, that Damian Lillard is a fantastic shooter in its own. He earns his nickname of Logo Lillard. But you add in Nurkic, you add in Zach Collins, who are both injured. You bring in Mello, skinny Mello. I don't know, man. I think I have to go with Shaq, with, uh, with Chuck again, because I'm, I'm with him the whole way. I think that the Blazers, who, by the way, have always shown that they're perennial next-door neighbors asking for sugar. They're like right there. They just, you know, they're just right there. They're on the cusp all the time. Now that they have all these pieces, man, like you've known for a long time how I feel about the Lakers. I think they're a flawed team. And now that they've lost Avery Bradley, I think they're an even more flawed team. Unfortunately, 
fortunately, I'm sorry, fortunately for them, they got Dion Waiter, so I'm a huge fan of as well. So I do think they're still a little thin. I've always had the Clippers as the best team in that conference. But fuck, man, you throw in the Blazers right there. The Blazers are, in my opinion, the second best team in the West right now behind the Clippers. I've seen Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum do it in the playoffs. I've never seen fucking Anthony Davis have to deal with the kind of pressure that he, he may not have to deal with. I think this whole pandemic situation, this whole NBA bubble in Orlando is going to lead to new firsts for everybody. There's not going to be any distractions whatsoever. It's all basketball all the time. So you're, it's like a, it's a pressure cooker all the time. So we're going to see a lot of teams and a lot of players that we think so highly of not compete and not perform at the level of standard that we believe that they, they should. And for that reason, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Blazers in the finals. The Blazers at full strength, which they are right now, completely healthy, fuck off, man. They got a fucking squad. 100%. And I think the biggest X factor, because we know what Lillard can do, he's a big time. And when the pressure's on, he delivers. CJ McCollum is always consistent, too. Biggs always play big time, too. Melo has shown flashes of what he can do um, even, even now past his prime. So I think the biggest X factor is going to be Whiteside because when he was with the Heat and he was playing and he was locked in, he was a menace. And, uh, you know, offensively, you know, he has a soft touch around the rim. He could get boards. Uh, defensively, uh, he's, he's terrific on the help side on the weak side. Um, but again, it's, it's, if he's, if he's locked in, if he starts, if he starts feeling some type of way, cause he's not getting enough touches, he starts feeling down on himself and just like, he's just going through the motions Then I don't think the Blazers get very far. They need him. They need him to fill that role that Ennis Cantor uh, filled last year where he was just playing with great energy and he was completely locked in and gave in to the team. It's funny you should mention this because of all the hype and praise that I'm bestowing upon the Blazers right now, their biggest weakness in my eyes is Hassan Whiteside. I agree with you. He's a great weak side defender. Hassan Whiteside, and we both know this, when he is engaged, my God, like, get the fuck out of the way. There's not a lot of players in the NBA that are seven feet, seven foot one, 200-something pounds like he is, just chiseled muscle. Athletic is all hell can run up and down the court. And I think that's the biggest problem with, with Hassan is that when he's engaged offensively, he's engaged defensively. But if he's not engaged offensively, and it's hard to see him get the touches that he might desire on this offense because now not only does he have to account for Dame and CJ, now he has to account for Melo, Nurkic, Collins, who, by the way, Collins is an up-and-coming stud in this league. He's putting on the weight that he needs to, to be a reliable stretch four at times stretch five. And I, I don't see why he can't put it together this offseason. Personally, I don't know if they're going to need Hassan as much as, as we think they will. I think with Nurkic back and Collins back, playing time, playing wise, they might not need Hassan as much. Unfortunately, that's also the problem with Hassan. If you don't include him in game plans, if he doesn't get the 35, 40 minutes a game that he so desires, they might be screwed. And he might become a cancer in the locker room because for some reason, Lillard and CJ have, a, have an affinity for Hassan that I don't understand. 
but I'm happy they do because he's the only reason why he's out of Miami with that 90 something million dollar contract. So, Hey, I still see the Blazers as a fucking contender, but it's funny that we should bring it up because I, we're noticing more and more, right. As we record this July 21st on a Tuesday, that teams have been practicing on and off and on and off. And we're starting to see kinks and chinks in some people's armor, the Lakers. We started seeing some cracks there. We started seeing some cracks with teams like the Pacers who we can laugh all they want, but they were top five in the East. And now they may not have Victor and other shit going on. The heat are coming. Like the heat are fucking coming outside of the Blazers. I don't think any team has, capitalize more on this pandemic than Miami because everybody's coming back. Myers, Tyler, none is finally back like healthy. And it's fun that we're now starting to see some of these surprise teams that may actually make some noise. I'm just ready for the games to start, man. We're 10 days out, week and a half. If There was a point this year where I was like, we're not going to get basketball back. I'm not going to watch basketball again until January. And now it's right there, one week away, about to get some games in. And, man, anything could happen during this bubble. You just – you 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 don't know. For all we know, the Pacers end up winning it all just on some crazy shit. So I'm just ready to see some games. I'm ready to to get those first two, three games out the way so everybody can shake off the rust, get back in game shape, watch everybody go crazy and go in for this COVID-19 championship, man. Um, I'm excited. And I know the Heat are going to do damage. I know that for sure. Did you see the fucking courts? Did you see the fucking pictures of the courts? Yep. Those things are fucking sick, bro. It's like being in 2K. Like, they have all these these high-def LED screens all over the place. The actual I, in-game courts or the, for, the, for, the, for the actual games, you mean? Yes, the actual yeah. in-game courts with the Black Lives Matter, you know, all the digital shit all around it. It's looking bananas. It's it really looking, does look like 2K. Dude, it's fucking, I am so stoked. And funny thing is, I catch myself on Twitter. There's a Twitter account that I, I'm going to find later and I'm going to give him credit. Something NBA inside the bubble, some shit like that, that he's been re- like broadcasting some of the shit going on. And I just like to talk about some of these bubble MVPs because we got Jordan Clarkson as a chef de cuisine posting up grilled cheese videos every other day. We have the official beer-chugging champ in Myers Leonard, which, by the way, he's also the official gaming champion because if you haven't seen his fucking gaming... By the way, temporary gaming setup in his hotel room. It's fucking sick. And then, I know I sound like a homer, but then we have to talk about the real off-season MVP or semi-off-season MVP. And his name is Tyler Hero. That man is winning at life. Not just basketball, because he's looking great. He's back. He's slimmed down. I don't know if you've seen pictures of him. He looks fucking shredded. He looks like he's put on muscle, healthy as hell. He has that weird uh, Friar Tuck haircut going on, but I don't know. I'm not white, so I can't relate. I got curly hair. I can't pull it off. He has the banging-ass girlfriend that everybody on Twitter seems to be all up in arms that, you know, that girl that Kyle Kuzma lost to because he thought he's all gangster and stuff? Katya Elise Henry. It's coming from my boy, Tyler Hero. And he's just winning everything. He's just winning life, man. I'm so excited. I can't, I'm so sad that we might trade him for Bradley Beal. I don't care if he's never going to be the player Bradley Beal is. I don't think any player has ever held on to my heartstrings like Tyler Hero has. 
I we love cannot, that. Man. We cannot get rid of Hero. We can't. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't, I don't care th- what the numbers say. I don't care who we get back. I don't care if LeBron is in line. We got to keep Hero. Tyler Hero might be the best thing to happen in Miami since Dwayne Wade. I don't know I if he's, believe- as, he's not going to be as good as – I don't know if he's – maybe he will. Fuck it. Maybe he's going to be the best player of all time. He has goddamn best swag of all time. Like, Jesus Goat Christ. Status. Yes, he does. Yes, Man, he does. This, he's had the best year of any NBA player. Man, he's just – he's out there. What's funny about Tyler is that his meteoric rise has had nothing to do with basketball. It started with that goddamn suit and the, and the drip and the drip from the freaking draft day. And not that his play hasn't helped because he's been a banger. He's been, a, you know, one of the best rookies in this league. Balling. But fuck, man. I'm so excited for Tyler to be back. I'm just man. so excited. I can just only imagine a lineup of Tyler, Duncan, Myers, Jimmy, Bam. Like, fuck, man. Like, good luck. Just good. I'm, I'm just letting everybody know. Good luck. Good how fucking you, luck. How you feeling about the, the snitch hotline? Dude, I, I don't know, man. I don't know about you, but I'm all for it. You know, I'm still a fan of Takashi 69 I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know, I'm all for the snitch hotline. Fuckers, you want to... Dude, can you believe two days into the fucking... Two days into the bubble, people are already getting caught on Twitter inviting girls over. Like... Two days, bro. Dude, you got you to gotta chill, 48 man. hours. Y'all got to chill. I understand you're not used to, you know, not getting your slob knobs after like a couple hours. I understand all that. You don't watch porn anymore because porn lives you. You're an NBA player. You can buy whatever the freak you want. You don't even have to buy anything. All these girls are just throwing themselves at you. They're trying to catch. They're trying to catch Wilt. Trying to do Wilt numbers. Y'all got to calm down, though. Go fishing on those garbage-ass Orlando lakes. You know, get in the hot tub. Drink a Miller Light or Bud Light or I, I apparently on, they only drink light beers in the fucking bubble. Like, hey, they've been drinking Coronas. I, whatever. I, I'm a proponent of rum, you know, but I'm a degenerate. So you do you, but I'm all for the snitch line. And I know somebody else is all for the snitch line. His name is I'm, CP3. I'm with it too, man. Shit. I'm just ready to watch some people play ball, bro. Let's get this shit done. Dude, can you By imagine? By any means necessary. Can you imagine if one of the best players in the league gets called out on the snitch line and he immediately gets suspended? Can you imagine that we, how many times have we caught LeBron in his career hollering at bitches on Twitter and Instagram? Can you imagine if finally LeBron, after all these years, finally gets caught doing a deed and he gets suspended and the Lakers get fucking eliminated in the first or second round? Man, that shit would have to be like, I don't know. They would, they would keep that shit so hush, we would never hear about that. Dude, I can imagine CP3 being like, hey, I need pool views, lake views from my hotel room. I need two pairs of binoculars and a telescope. I need three phones and two cell phones because I'm going to be snitching a lot. (laughs) Just snitching all day. And I'm all for it, you know? I live that life. I live that snitching life. It's okay. You know, sometimes you got to be funny. It's okay. You got to do what's best for, you know, your team. And if you see Paul George, you know, getting head in the pool from, I don't know, I'm not going to say it's a girl or a guy. I don't know. I don't know your preference. But somebody that does not belong there, call the line. Just get that motherfucker suspended. Make him quarantine for 14 days. And he won't be able to play. It don't matter, bro, because the heat, snitch hotline and not heat are taking this shit. Let's just get it. Let's just get it. 
we joke around and we say it, but I'm, we're not I'm not joking at all. Like I, I legitimately feel that Miami's going to take this shit. I legitimately feel. I I think very few teams understand the mentality that's needed to live basketball 24-7. And I don't think any other team in the NBA weighs their players uh, on a weekly basis, measures body fat on a weekly basis, has a captain that holds their teammates accountable for not working out, for not pushing it in practice. Dude, Jimmy Butler just got snitched on for fucking having room workouts at 3 a.m. in Orlando. Who that? I, I didn't know I didn't know that CP3 can have like a room d- adjacent directly beneath Jimmy Butler, but it is what it is, you know. Jimmy, I see you. I see you, Jimmy. My captain, I love you, man. Get a haircut though. You, you need it. You look foolish. How can you hold the Larry O'Brien trophy looking like fucking I don't know. The black grizzly man. Like it's weird. Get a haircut. They even built they even built like an on-site barbershop. For the NBA players. He needs a fucking haircut, man. I don't know what the fuck this is. If I can get a haircut in New York City, you can get a haircut. You're an NBA player. Get a fucking haircut, man. I, I get it. I get it. I'm letting my beard grow. I well, understand. I mean, you look fresh as fuck right now with the beard and that Florida Marlins hat. By the way, the Florida Marlins are playing the Braves right now in an exhibition game, and they just hit back-to-back-to-back home runs, which is nuts. I, 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 I don't... Shit, they might be they might be on their way too. UM is on its way. And I fucking decided to move when all this good Miami stuff is finally coming. It's just good karma. But it's fine. It's Speaking fine. of UM, I just want to shout out the 2019 FIU football team for uh being the first in school history to take down UM football. I like to announce that we don't give a fuck. We're still <laughs> the best. And although I am an FIU alumni, I don't give a fuck. I'm all UM all the time. And so is Tyler Hero, your boy. Is he UM? Oh, he because he has that nice that ass drip. Fresh ass UM drip. Yeah. Oh my God. I ain't all even right. mad at it though. All right. All right. All right. This is all fun and games. It's all fun and games until somebody misses out an award. Because apparently all the all the awards are gonna be handed out pre-bubble basketball. So that's it. Everyone's everyone's place is set in stone. What they did. Nothing else matters from here on out. So let's see if we can, let's see if we can get a quick rundown. You know, we did this episode, but let's see if we can get a quick a quick uh, rundown of what we think are going to be the NBA award winners. So we'll start off coach of the year, Mikey. Who you got? I think I said Nick Nurse. I'm gonna stick with that. Cool. I got I got Eric Spolster, but Nick Nurse is right there. Sixth man of the year, Mikey. Who you got? Lou Will. Lou Will. I got Dennis Schroeder, but Lou Will is right there too. And so is uh, his teammate, the ugly one with the dreads. I'm just fucking with you. I just don't like Montrezl Harrell. All right. Then we have most improved player. My favorite award of all time, or at least this year. Who you got? Bam, bam. Bam, 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 bam. I think this was easy. I think this is the the easiest one that there's going to be. Under no circumstances, a second-year player deserved to win most improved player. You literally just got in the league. Calm the fuck down. All right, uh, Devontae Graham and all these motherfuckers. All right, I so. do, I do love Devontae Graham though. Yeah, he's clutch, man. He's and clutch. Bi, 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 he came up big this year too. I'm, I'm gonna still give it to Bam though. Brandon Ingram is also fucking great. You know, he's had a hell of a year, but what Bam has done has been goddamn Taco, Taco falling a bicycle. That is funny to see. All right, so I think we've run down the most important ones. Now, last one. 
MVP. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, I'm with you. It has to be Giannis Antetokounmpo, you know, because uh, as much as I love LeBron and as much as you respect LeBron, I think, I think what Giannis has done with the Bucks up to this point in the season is uh, immeasurable. They are the best team in the NBA record-wise. Uh, they have been the best team in the NBA uh, net rating-wise and as many categories as you want to put. So easy one for the both of us. We got Giannis. All right. Not, so. not to mention his supporting cast isn't as good as LeBron's. No, it's not. I think when, whenever – I don't even remember his name, man. That's how, that's how forgettable his fucking teammates are. What's his second best player? They got a big-ass contract for no reason. Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton. Jesus Christ. And I can't even think of a third name. I'm going to call – well, they have Eric Damp – no, Eric Dampier. Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe. That's right. And Dante DiVincenzo, you know, wannabe Tyler Hero over there. I like that kid. Yeah, he's Tyler Hero before Tyler Hero, you know. Right, he's a a (laughs) B-grade hero. You know, he's a B-grade hero. But – so we have the awards. Real quick before we move on to – our movie of the week. Where are we at? Was this like six? Yeah, yeah. we did eight, seven. So this is our six. This is our sixth greatest basketball movie of all time. Real quick, I want to point out that as much as I hate Mark Cuban, just because I'm a hater and I'm a Heat fan, I think Mark Cuban has been trashing fools on Twitter for the last week and week or so, and I just have to give him his due diligence, man. There's a lot of fucking people calling out the NBA for the Black Lives Matter, for the NBA, for calling out the NBA for its stance on the national anthem. And I just have to give credit where credit is due. And fucking Mark Cuban has just been putting fools in a box and kicking them. Just been punting fools all over its social media. So good on you, fucking Mark Cuban. I respect you. I respect yeah. you a lot. Which respects Cuban. He's, he's been pretty outspoken about, um, you know, his stance on these, on these matters. Um, him, Greg Pop, and I—I'm I, I, drawing a blank. But there's been other coaches that have been pretty outspoken. Steve Kerr. Um, so shout out to them for using their platform to spread some positivity and spread those good messages that need to be heard. And shout out to all these NBA players that are are using their platform and their media availability to shed light on some of the issues that have gone unresolved in our communities, specifically Breonna Taylor and other issues that you know people. You know, I, I feel like people jump on the bandwagon and, and um, you know, follow the trend. But as soon as it dies out, they stop caring. So, so shout out to them for continuing to shine a light on these topics. Dude, you, you, you nailed it on the head. And I want to give a special, special shout out to someone that we covered a couple of weeks ago, Maya fucking Moore. Maya Moore has been doing the duty for a year and a half now, sitting out in the prime of her career, one of the greatest women's basketball players we've ever seen. She sat out to help this man who was wrongly convicted of a crime, you know, see his freedom. His name is Jonathan Irons. And I'd like to say that uh, we haven't brought it back up, but quick update for those that don't know, Jonathan Irons has been set free. Meyer Moore was waiting for him and the, with, his, with his family upon his release. And it's nice to see that someone devoted, unselfishly, might I add, so much of their life, so much of their time, so much of their resources, to a cause and for that cause to pay diligence it's what is there to say man like she deserves all the flowers that can be bestowed upon her she deserves all the credit in the world she is a goat 
a lot of people talk the talk, but don't walk the walk. And she fucking said, fuck you. And she walked the walk and she found a cause that she, that was important to her. She went all in. She put her chips in the middle of the table and she won. She fucking won. She got that ace in the, she got that ace on the river. She got that Royal flush, baby. So congratulations to Jonathan Iron. And congratulations to Maya Moore for fucking living the life, man. I couldn't be happier. Fucking couldn't be happier about it. I'm glad you highlighted that. And what's crazy is that she did take, she was, number one, she was the catalyst for that, uh, to allow that to happen. Um, freed an innocent man who was serving, I believe, decades in jail for a crime he didn't commit. And she took it upon herself to, in the prime of her career, to stop everything she was doing, put her life on pause and, you know, use all her resources for this one cause, for this one man. But it's not just about one man. It's an innocent life who whose life had been taken from him wrongly. And what's crazy is that I had just heard about this recently. And this is something that she had been doing for a long time. This is months and months and months in the works. And I'm glad that, so, you know, there's been some stories that have been highlighting what she's done. I know she didn't do it for the, for the glory. I know she didn't do it for the glamour. I know she did it because she saw something wrong and she wanted to do right by somebody who deserved to, to, to have, you know, to have this done for him. Um, so big shout out to her for doing that, walking the walk. And, um, you know, I know people talk about WNBA players and don't take the WNBA seriously, but this goes to show that, you know, not only is she a go on the court, but she's a go off the court as well. So big shout out to Maya Moore. Round of applause. You deserve all the fucking flowers, roses, whatever the fuck you want. You deserve it all. You deserve that one. You deserve a fucking $500 million contract right now for all the work you've been doing. And I know if she gets that money, she's going to not play and do fucking invest those resources more and in, back into her community and to other just causes. So much respect to Maya Moore. Also, much respect to Jimmy Butler. I know that we didn't touch upon this, but the NBA has decided to allow players to, to forego their last names on the back of their jersey and write a message that they deem appropriate right now in, the, in these trying times. And Jimmy took it upon himself to say that he didn't want anything. He doesn't want a name. He doesn't want recognition. He wants, he wants a blank slate behind his jersey to show that no one's better than anybody. And a lot of players ran on that and they thought it was a good idea and they want to do the same. Unfortunately, the NBA came out and said that due to partnerships with jerseys that they can't do that, but it's being appealed. So we don't know. Maybe Jimmy gets his fucking way. And, you know, another Miami Heat captain looks like a fucking G in the eyes of the NBA community. So I fucking love it. I love it all. I think it's important to realize that not only are we playing basketball or we're going to play basketball in these trying times as far as a pandemic goes in a bubble but these are also trying times in our society and it's good to see that things are happening and it's good to see that the NBA took it upon themselves to make sure that that we recognize these trying times and we recognize some of the important issues that are going on you know and I applaud for them I applaud them to do this in, regardless of the outcomes with their sponsors I do think the NBA is one of the more progressive leagues as far as social activism. I'm not saying that they can't do more because I think they have the resources and the means to do more. But when you um, when you compare them to other leagues, the NFL, MLB, MLS, 
NHL, I think they're doing big time things. And I think they're giving players somewhat of a platform to be able to, to speak on these issues. And, uh, you know, when we discussed the, the NBA courts earlier in the podcast, we, we talked about how they're going to have the Black Lives Matter branding on the court, working with the uh, NBPA to, I guess, have a list of allowable phrases on the back of the jerseys. And now with the appeal of the no names on the back of the jerseys, it, it shows that they're making strides and, and working together to uh, have these social causes um, and social issues be heard on, on, a large, on a large venue. Man, that's fucking dope. It's dope and I enjoy, I love everything that's going on and I applaud everybody that was involved in the decision making and we have to keep applauding Adam Silver because he's clearly the best fucking commissioner in sports continues to prove it and I don't think there's any much to say about him he's just he looks a little weird I, I get that but the man is fucking great he's great at his fucking job all right so and real quick real quick speaking of Adam Silver and um I'm sure he was a, he had he had a a big word on how the bubble and the continuation, the resumption of the NBA season was to be done. For the first time, we had zero new positive tests for NBA players in the bubble. So something is being done right. So hopefully we keep that energy. We use that snitch hotline and we keep those numbers at zero so we can get some play, man. I like that you brought it up because I think reports came out today that 95 players in the NFL tested positive for coronavirus. And I'm sure a third of those are Miami Dolphin players and Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay players. I think we talked about this before that uh, I needed some reassurances because I, had, I was a little worried that I understand that the NBA players and NBA teams and, and their staff and all, they're, they're quarantined. You know, they're, they're going to be staying in these places. But I was a little concerned that the, they would be served by staff that's not quarantined you know, that are in and out of the bubble at all times because it's not much of a bubble if there are leaks all over the place. Clearly, whatever precautions they've set aside for, 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 the, for themselves, it's working. And I, I don't know, man. Again, you just have to applaud Adam Silver and the NBA Players Association because I know it's easy to, for us to be like, oh, all of this made sense. Like, how could you do it any other way? But I remember and you remember when the NBA season came to a halt, what was it, March 15th? Nobody knew what the hell was going on. Nobody knew. Shout that. out. Shout out, Rudy Gobert. You know, we had no idea what the hell was going on. And yes, again, another shout out, Rudy Gobert, touching all the. We had no idea of how they were going to planning on fixing all this shit. And they f came up with a perfect solution. I mean, it's really easy when ESPN is owned by Disney. For them to be like, hey, you know, why don't we do it here? But fuck it, you know, let's take pessimism to the side. It makes sense. And more importantly, they're executing it to perfection at the moment. And I'm really stoked about that. And I'm so stoked because that means that we personally get a basketball season to watch. We get to see the Miami Heat lift up the Larry O'Brien again because we gangster. Because we gangster. But all jokes aside, like these guys did a hell of a job. They, you know. The communication has been great from the league and the NBA Players Association. Unlike the NFL, that can't even decide on whether whether to wear masks on the field or not, and how many times they want to get tested. All of it's great. And being that all of it's great, I'd like to move on to a fantastic topic that we like to call top eight, no, top seven movies of all time, basketball top movies eight. of all time. Oh, yeah. no, because 
Because don't, losers... don't no 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 don't say its name. Don't say its name. <laughs> Top seven right. movies of all time. This week at number six, I'd like to say that we had the privilege of watching this very nice movie called Glory Road. I don't know why I do Russian accent right now because it has nothing to do with Mother Russia. But Glory Road, great movie. Great, great movie. Harasho. Ochin Harasho. So good. So much better than that trash-ass, white, junk-ass, piece-of-shit movie called Hoosiers that to this day you can't explain to me what the fuck a Hoosier is. But it's a fucking great movie. Very well acted. Storyline was great. My opinion, I enjoyed the movie. It was entertaining. Um, it was fun. Shout out Carmelo. It touched on a very sensitive topic, which is race relations and uh, particularly race relations in, in sports and more specifically race relations in basketball because this movie took place in the 1960s. There was a lot of, obviously that's the, the peak of the, of the civil rights era. There was a lot of segregation uh, in schools and communities in, in states. And this movie specifically played on or touched on a school in the South, uh, University of Texas at El, pa uh, El Paso. And, um, or rather, that's what the school is now. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that it touched on that because that's a big part of, of basketball history. It's a big part of uh, collegiate basketball history, NBA history. And um, overall, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was well acted. I thought it was an important story to tell. Um, it's based or based on a true story influenced by real events, uh, real events. And um, I, I recommend it. I think anybody that likes basketball, even if you don't like basketball, it's, I think it's still a pretty good movie to watch. Uh, entertaining and just overall a really good movie. Unlike the other period piece movie that we saw the other day, I thought it was very well acted. I thought the basketball scenes were a little exaggerated. I think every third bucket was an alley-oop. And I find it hard to believe that in the 1950s, this was going on, but whatever, shit, I'm all in for it. You know, white, black people dunking on racist ass white people. I'm all for it. You know, I think we glorified the coach a little bit. I think he's like, shit, I got no budget for recruiting. Fuck, might as well get them Negroes, you know, on the court. It made fucking Kentucky Adolph Rob. It made them look so bad. Fittingly so, that coach's name is Adolph. <laughs> he, act he sure acted like an Adolph, right? Like, he, he was kind of an asshole, you know, but whatever. What are you going to do? You know, when your name's Adolph, you're, you're kind of set up for failure. Story about the first ever NCAA, you know, team with, an, with a full black starting lineup. They won a championship game, which is fantastic. They beat Adolph's team. I was a little upset about it that they played against Pat Riley and they beat Pat Riley, but fuck it, man. Pat understands he's the Armani King. He's, he's all cool about it, you know. He, has, he, he, he got his black card in the 80s. He's an official member of the Black Delegate, so I'm sure he's happy with the result of that game. Clearly, this movie this movie's a Disney movie, so it had its, like, sappy-ass moments. It's, there's a reason it's number six. It's not fucking in the top five or anything, but it's a you good wanna, <laughs> you wanna You want to give us a plot summary? White coach coaches high school women, gets recruited to be the coach of Texas Western University, which is now UTEP, for those that don't know, University of Texas, El Paso. So he gets recruited to be the, the head coach of, U, of Texas Western, finds out that he has to live in the dorms because the school got no money, so clearly they don't have any budget for recruiting. He tries to recruit the best ba basketball player, quote-unquote basketball player in the area, which is some white guy in glasses, and he gets embarrassed because the white guy in glasses is like, shit, coach, I'm trying to win. 
he comes up with a new plan and he's like, screw it. He sees this, this kid, rec he's recruiting somebody and he sees this black kid come to play Jojo White, just completely tear up the offense to the front court and back court of a team, just dribbling through him to lay up. And he gets this wonderful idea, shit, what if I recruit this guy and a shit ton of black players and are never going to be allowed to play in NCAA uh, Division One basketball? And what he does, he goes to Gary, Indiana, the blackest place in the world. He goes to the Bronx in New York. He goes to Jer He goes to Chicago. He goes to a bunch of places, recruits these great players who, fuck, man, racism must have been fucking shitty as hell because you got some ballers right next door in your state, in your city, and you don't want to recruit them to play basketball? Fuck, that sucks for you. So you recruit these players. I don't know how the fuck he found them because one of them was working at a steel mill. So I, I don't know how your recruiting networks work. Point of the story is he puts these guys together. There's a little turmoil with this all-white returning cast of, on the team. Everybody comes together. It's a kumbaya Disney movement. A black girl hits on a tall white guy, which is kind of funny. They go to the tournament. The big booster on campus, I don't even want to say a big booster because they clearly don't have any money. Big booster on campus doesn't like all the black players at first, but then he likes all the black players because they're winning. They go to the NCAA tournament. They make a run. They have to fight through referees being racist as fuck and teams being racist as fuck and, and people in other cities being racist as fuck, which, come on, we know this. Jim Crow. Long story short, they make the tournament. They make a run in the tournament. They get to the final game, and Adolph Rupp's good old Adolph's attitude towards, his, towards the black players leads the coach to be like, you know what? Fuck you, Adolph. I have seven black players on my team. Those are the only players that are going to play against your whole predominantly white team. And somehow it works. Even though one of the black players fucking had a big heart and was still playing, shouldn't have been playing, bad coaching decision. Another one gets injured in the first half of the fucking championship game. So you're pretty much down to five black players and a fucking guy that shouldn't be playing at all. You still win because, you know, you're black and everybody else on that other team can't touch you athletically. Fuck you, Adolf. And that's the story. Of the, uh, that's the, the whole story of the movie. They turned it into a, a two-hour and 30-minute movie, I think, but it didn't need to be, but it's fine. I think it still was a good movie. It had its high moments. It had its sappy moments. But they all do. It's a Disney movie. What are you going to do? I'm going to go a little more in-depth with my uh, review of the movie. So first off, uh, there was a Cheddar Bob sighting. Shout out Cheddar Bob. If, if you guys are familiar with the movie 8 Mile, y'all know who I'm talking about. He was the, I guess, assistant coach slash scout for uh, the head coach, if I'm not mistaken. He, he didn't really have a big role, but he was there in the opening scenes. He was the, rec he was the one recruiting and scouting most of the incoming class for, for, the, for the school. So shout out to him. Also, I want to point out that the soundtrack was nowhere near as good as Coach Carter. Not even close. Not even close. So if, if you're trying to watch this movie for some good music, just don't just have that shit on mute and listen to some shit on Spotify. Obviously it's a Disney movie. So there's going to be like sappy moments. There's going to be cliche moments, which this movie just reinforced the fact that I hate sappy cliche movies. Cause number one, well, this was a complete, this was an unranked team. And I think they were playing the fourth ranked team in the nation in Iowa. Uh, that was like their second or third game on the schedule. That didn't make any sense to me. And somehow they still came back and won. I mean, I guess in hindsight, it makes sense because they had some some pretty badass players. 
Now, the the game against Kansas when they were in the tournament, that was – the way that played out was a full-court pass towards the end of the game, a full-court pass that was caught in the paint, passed back out to the wing to an alley-oop to tie the game, to send it into overtime. Then in overtime, it was another alley-oop at the buzzer to send it into double overtime. So, I mean, that's just not how shit plays out. That's literally what only ha- what happens in the movies. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because those alley-oops all make sense when you take into consideration it's a black guy that's mad athletic going against a racist, non-athletic white person. You see, you have to understand it's science. All that racism holds you down. You know, it's like cement blocks on your feet. You can't be the best basketball player you are if you're that damn racist. You know, it's, it's like being, it's like playing basketball at 300 pounds. Like, it doesn't work. Unless you're track the trailer, you know, but it doesn't work. Uh, I'll give you that. I'll give you that one. Rest in peace, track the trailer. I did like that they touched on the racial tension and, and, and the climate during that time. Because as we spoke about earlier, it was taboo to have a predominantly black team during that time. Again, this was during the 1960s. I don't remember exactly what year. I don't know if it was um, before the Civil Rights Act and, and and everything that was going on during that time. But even so, we know that um, the political climate during that time, ra- racial tensions were at, at an all-time high. So it was frowned upon. And this is a school in the South, in Texas, mind you. So Real quick, real quick. It was 1966. Okay. Okay. Uh, in Texas, so clearly... Um, to no surprise, there was a lot of racial tension. Even the coach who was white, he was, uh, you know, not not particularly well-liked in his community. And for, for those of you that don't know, and this is just my speculation, I think the head coach was loosely based on the coach for University of Houston, um, whose name is Guy Lewis. So Guy Lewis, he was the coach for the University of Houston. For those of you that don't know, he was the he was the head coach during the '60s all the way to the '80s, and a lot of people consider him a pioneer um, in this respect. He was one of the first to actively recruit black players and actively recruit locally, and um, he never won an NCAA title, but he did through the recruitment of local and black athletes lead his teams to multiple NCAA tournament appearances and four final. Uh, multiple final fours and four NCAA championship games. One of two of two of which w- was with um, Clyde Drexler and Hakeem Olajuwon in the eighties. Um, so I do think the head coach was loosely based on his character. Again, a pioneer in recruiting local and black athletes. So I think it was, I think they could have touched on that a little bit more, but um, again, it's a Disney movie. I don't think they were trying to get too political with it, but I did like that they touched on that. Now, another thing that resonated with me personally was one of the players, Cager, who had a heart condition and um, for all intents and purposes had to give up basketball. And obviously, if you know me, you know that I, I love basketball, I live for basketball. I don't know what I would do if I had to give it up. So that was one of those sappy moments that I actually did enjoy and, and, resonate, and that resonated with me. So I did like that. Um, and it goes to show that for some of these kids, basketball is, is everything. You know, um, they see it as an opportunity to do something more for their lives, for themselves, for the families. It's not just the game. And what you can do um, as a result of playing basketball, it transcends what, what is done on the court. So I like that. 
I also like the Pat Riley sighting. And that is actually, that's, that's based on fact. They did play Kansas. Pat Riley was on that team. Pat Riley, Pat Riley was the superstar of that team. And it breaks my heart that Pat Riley didn't win a championship. But guess what? It doesn't matter because he's going to win one this year with the Miami Heat. So it's all good. And uh, the last thing I want to say is there was a Hispanic guy on that team who had zero lines. I just want to point that out. Zero lines. He was in every scene and had a grand total of zero lines. So just want to say that real quick. And that's my unbiased review of Glory Road. <laughs> you're 100% right. I don't know the Hispanic guy's name, but that's kind of fucked up that you're in a Mexican, predominantly Mexican town and you can't get playing time. You know, even though you are a minority, which is fucked up. I don't know his name, but I do know Willie Cager. He had a big heart. And although you may be right that it was based on the Houston coach, I have to give respect to Don Haskins because he was, this movie was based on real life and he was a real person and he did coach that team. He did recruit these players with the help of his staff, which by the way, my favorite trajectory, my favorite arc in this movie, because I think Bobby Joe Hill was meant to be like the star basketball player on this team, like that you're supposed to gravitate towards. But my star on that player was that fucking assistant coach, not the, not the white, not the young one that got hustled for a hundred bucks, you know, in, in, in the Bronx, but Cheddar the old Bob. Cheddar Bob, baby. I, Jesus Christ. Cheddar Bob, man. Fucking a shooting himself in the nuts all over again. <laughs> but I'm not, it's not Cheddar Bob. It's the other guy. And I wish I knew his name, but it's not really that important, but he did have a nice story arc where he, he was a little racist at the beginning, but you know, he toughened up. He got through it. Still, I want to give credit to Josh Lucas for playing Don Haskins. He did, I think he did a great job acting this movie. Quick shout out to Don Haskins because, again, it takes a lot of balls to do what he did. Even, even if selfishly I feel like he did it, you know, for his own gain, at the end of the day, he did send a message in that championship game by playing all his black players and only his black players to the inconvenience of himself because he was losing players left and right. Mad shout out to Don Haskins, who ended up being a fucking pioneer in the game of basketball and college basketball specifically. I mean, consider that Kentucky's Adolph didn't recruit the first black player until 1981, I believe. How long is that? 15 years since you got your ass whooped by a fucking all black team and you didn't recruit one black player for another 15 years, Adolph. That's a bad look, bro. That's a bad look. I know Lexington, Lexington Kentucky is a mad. It's a mad white place, but fuck, man, it's a bad look on you as a coach. But whatever, you know, they named the coach after, they named the, the court after you, so, you know, nothing like naming courts after races, so fuck it. I think another thing we should speak on is the fact that Don Haskins, Guy Lewis, and um, all these other coaches that uh, were pioneers in the recruiting of black players, and which eventually led to more back black players playing professionally in the in the NBA, because, uh, you know, some of us might forget that there were Negro leagues back then. The NBA was predominantly white. Uh, some of you might remember the ABA where Julius Irving played and a host of other superstars and future Hall of Famers. But before the NBA was what it is today, there was a host of leagues. It wasn't just NBA that was running everything. It was a, a bunch of leagues. And really black, black players were, were relegated to playing for the Harlem Globetrotters. No one really saw them as professional athletes. It's a good thing. I think we, we can all agree that it's a good thing that uh, talent superseded um, race and that we were able to see the talent beyond color. 
And, um, you know, and, and I think that's probably why during that time also, uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, I think there was, there, there was uh, and the NBA community, the uh, fans, some of them threatened to boycott the league because it was getting too black and it, and it wasn't Hoosiers, for example, style of basketball. It was, it was trend, uh, transitioning from that style to what, to the style that we see now and, and the evolution that we've seen of the game throughout the decades which I think we can all agree has been an evolution for the better. And, um, you know, I think that's the reason why the NBA is where it's at today, where we have a, a pretty diverse community of fans, where we're more tolerant, we're more respectful than perhaps other leagues, arguably. And, um, you know, that, that brings us to this, to, this, to this point where, you know, the NBA is being progressive with their Black Lives Matter and other social justice uh, issues and, and social activism. So I'm, I'm glad to see that. Real quick before we finish, I really like the fact that you brought up the NBA, ABA because little known fact, little known to a lot of people, much like Singular taking over for AT&T decades ago and renaming itself AT&T because it had the bigger name, I like to point out because it's not AT&T that wireless, it's Singular Wireless that bought AT&T out. I like to point that out, that the ABA was actually merged with the NBA, but it was actually the ABA that came out on top because the ABA was a predominantly black league. It was the fun league. You know, the NBA had a lot, the NBA had a lot, a little more uh, advertising dollars and a little more respect amongst the community because it was more of a white league. And then when they merged with the NBA, little known secret, the ABA was the, was the bigger league, was the funner league, had the bigger players. And when they brought the ABA over, they also brought ABA rules, um, ABA-style basketball, free-flowing basketball. So a lot of the stuff, although it's called the NBA now, it could easily be called the ABA. And I like that you brought it up because it's thanks to the ABA that we have the amount of black players into the league when they came in. Because who knows if the ABA hadn't merged with the NBA, it would have been a, a more racist and less diverse league for a longer time. So I'm glad that you pointed that out. So what are your final thoughts on the movie? I don't have any final thoughts. I thought it was a great movie. You know what? Let me retract. Let me retract. I thought it was a good movie. I thought I liked the storyline. I thought it was more important than Coach Carter, which is why it's a spot ahead of Coach Carter. I thought the basketball was a million times better than Hoosiers, but we're not going to get into that again. I thought the movie was great. And uh, yeah, so fuck it, man. I'm just excited that in a week's time, we're, pro we're going to get in, well, we're going to start getting basketball in a couple of days with the exhibition games. But I can't wait for the fucking leak. Oh my God, fucking cat. She's just climbing the fridge as we speak. Doing pull-ups on my fridge. Letting y'all know, Bam is back. None is back. They just flew in today. They're quarantining. They're back in the bubble. Miami Heat are winning this. Fuck everybody else. Later, guys.